Welcome to the 4th and Inches College Podcast, back again for another week. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us for another, well, I was about to say evening. I mean, it's evening when we're recording it, but you might be listening to on in the morning, on the train to work, or in the afternoon, or in, or it could be at night as well. But we are here and ready to talk college football. And uh, yeah, what what a fantastic thing is to say, uh, and I'm going to say it every single week of of. Uh, what a weekend of college football we just had. Um, a lot of the biggest teams, the biggest names were playing their sort of gimme games, their sort of rubber games, you know, the the ones that were, uh, it's just for a bit of bit of practice and we'll see the backups, but nonetheless, there were still some absolute to go through. And we're going to go through them. We're going to, we've got, we've literally, we've been looking, we've been planning, we've got it all ahead of us. Uh, as we chat about some of the biggest moments in the college football week two of the season. But first, of course, I have to introduce you to our hosts. You have myself, Nick Loff. We have Tristan Watkin. Good morning, evening, afternoon. Happy Hanukkah, everyone. How are you doing? I don't know why I said happy Hanukkah there. And we have Sukhdeep Pooney. Hey, how's it going, guys? No religious um, ceremonial day event you wanted to shout out to no <laughs> uh what month are we in uh, september happy nfl yeah weekend. happy nfl sunday i suppose for yeah. everyone yesterday yeah 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 um gents how are we how are we yeah good good it's been another crazy weekend of college football i've watched more football this weekend than i care to think about because obviously yeah. I watched watched all the college slate, and I said to my I said to my partner, I was like, I'm just going to watch college on the Saturday. I'm not really because I've probably said it on the pod before. I'm not a massive NFL guy anymore. I follow it. Mm-hmm. I have a I'm a Raiders fan. I still want them to do well, but I don't follow it as avidly as I follow college football. And I said I was like, so don't worry. I'm not I'm not going to watch the NFL on Sunday. We'll just have a nice evening. The moment she got her laptop out to play some bit of Sims, I was straight there on red zone, just like, well, yeah. I'm going to go for seven hours of commercial free football the beauty of the college podcast because um i'm almost going to enforce and it's 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 not at all because i'm bitter in brackets only because i'm bitter that uh, we have no nfl talk on this podcast because just it's just it's a it's an nfl free zone until the draft <laughs> all right we've got enough there's enough college teams out there to talk about without going into the pro game um, now we'll leave that for the boys on the flagship <laughs> yeah we will yeah we will leave them, yeah, 100%. Um, but, right, well, I'm not going to give any spoilers, but uh, we, uh, we, there's, it's a very rare moment, I think, that we will all, all three of us will join hands in coming away with some smiles after a weekend of college football. There's always one of us, more often than not, one of us in particular, that comes away not smiling, but we were all smiling this weekend. 
Um, but listen, uh, we're going to jump straight into it. We're going to talk about some of the biggest games. We've got um, some some brilliant games to talk about in our 90-second recaps, such as Utah at BYU, Pitt at Tennessee. Um, we are going to go through our um, winners and losers of week two of college football, um, so which which people, units, places, fans, blah, blah, whatever – our winners and losers of this week. And then we're going to have a look at some of the fixtures coming up next week. But we're looking at some in-depth recaps of some of the biggest games as Texas uh, went to Arkansas. We had the Battle of Iowa, Iowa against Iowa State. But the only place that we can start was the Pac-12 champions, Oregon Ducks, heading to play, uh, heading to the shoe to play the Ohio State Buckeyes uh, in a inter-Power inter 5 conference game. Uh, of course, uh, Ohio State kicked off their season early, uh, a couple of days early, should I say, in week one. Got the early slate and and comfortably beat a Minnesota team, 45-31. Whilst the Oregon Ducks started on the Saturday and uh, were given a run for their money by uh, Fresno State Bulldogs. They won 31-24. So with the Buckeyes offense rolling, they were heavy favourites for this game. But... An upset to, uh, to probably mark the week. The Ducks emerged from Ohio with the win, 35-28. to 28. Magnificent performance for the Ducks. And of course, many of you know, is the, is the team of our good friend and host, Sukti Puni. Um, there's no one else that we can start with than uh, Suk. Uh, it's, it's, we're very fortunate to have the biggest win of the weekend, uh, a fan. Uh, and a host. So, Suk, first of all, from Tristan and I, congratulations on a fantastic win. Um, just with pride, you spoke about it on Saturday. Um, let us have it. The floor is yours. What happened in this game and, and, and why was it such a great day to be an Oregon Duck? Yeah, this, this result just came out of the blue. Still hard to sort of come to terms with the performance because... Not only looking at the Fresno State game, you're also looking at the sort of the the back end of last season. You know, we we weren't really performing, you know, very well, and that's with the same QB and Anthony Brown. So I had my critics of, I mean, I've criticised Anthony Brown a ton of times off air, on air, um, but for me, he he delivered. You know, he delivered on the offensive scheme that Moorhead put up. Um, with the RPO options, and we gave Ohio State obviously a lot to think about defensively, and amazingly, from our perspective, obviously without Thibodeau, without Justin Flo, our defense just came up trumps and made plays at the right time. I mean, CJ Stroud didn't have a bad game uh, by any stretch of the imagination, but what we did avoid him doing was making these big plays uh, at crucial times. Um, when it came down to sort of big third, fourth down plays, you know, the Ducks were there, um, you know, ready to make plays. Um, and we were, but by the end of it, I mean, I was exhausted watching it, but in the fourth quarter, you could tell the Ducks defense was just tiring and Stroud did everything he could to, you know, to, to get them to draw level, but we just hung on in there and, Obviously, the key play being that catch by DJ Johnson as well for the first down. Absolutely amazing. Um, mm. The atmosphere amongst the players was amazing as well after the game. I think I was telling you guys, I was uh, 
on Instagram live and uh, was speaking to uh, Cross Pattern. And I just happened to mention that um, big love from your fan, Suck the Duck. And all of a sudden, the next thing I know is he's saying, he's telling all his mates on the aeroplane. So they're actually on the plane going, hey, it's Suck the Duck. And all you can hear is like one or two players going, Suck the Duck, Suck the Duck. And some other players just looking on going, what is going on? um like it was it was just amazing like just to kind of have some sort of part in that um but yeah uh just amazing i mean the the running game i mean amazing you know free rushing touchdowns cj vidal was absolutely amazing you know the one-two punch with travis die um you know worked effectively for us you know, I don't know what much else to say, to be honest. It's been, I mean, you guys know from a personal perspective, it's been a very, very hard week just generally. And I'll be honest, like even coming on the podcast, I've uh, I've been quite exhausted to even talk about anything. So in all honesty, it's probably as much as you're going to get out of me about the Oregon Ducks result because mm-hmm. everything, everything now is kind of a bit of a blur now because it's just... It, it feels like it was three, four days ago, not only a couple of days back now. So very true, yeah, well, very true. Well, we're thrilled for you, uh, Tristan. Um, this Ohio State team boasts a, a young quarterback in CJ Stroud, who by no means had a bad game, as Suck said. He threw thirty-five and fifty-four. He, threw, he attempted fifty-four passes, four hundred and eighty-four yards, and three touchdowns and a pick. Um, he had three receivers once again go over 100 yards, three consensus uh, NFL. Basically, you've got three guys who will be NFL receivers in Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, and Jackson Smith and Jigba. If you look at this on paper, you'd say that the offense did pretty much all it could. It must be the defense. It's a simplistic way to look at it, but it, it, it is, does that tell the whole story? Yes and no. Um I think you have to give... I know you're looking at a team that gave up 600 yards in total in Oregon. Like You can't say this was stellar defensive performance. But what it is, it's the ultimate example of bend but don't break. Oregon allowed Ohio State to get yards at times, had some blown coverages. But when it really counted, like I said, when it really counted the big third and fourth downs, the goal line, you know, they just had an extra gear to, to make it difficult. And to you know keep themselves in the game, but their running attack really was what won it for them. And and at this particular point, we I said it on scores and the doors. Minnesota got to Ohio State by running the ball very effectively. Now I didn't think that CJ Vidal, Travis Dye was going to be the back combination to to get the running game going. But CJ Vidal, 20 carries, 161 yards, 8.1 yards a carry average, two touchdowns. Mm. If you're gonna if you're gonna hit this Ohio State defense that just looks like it can't stop a team that runs. Like every down every down they play, they it's almost they're playing defense in the old Raiders sort of way where it's Every down is man coverage. They don't go into zone very often. They're not throwing any exotic blitzes. It's just man coverage. Make sure because what what they're thinking is we've got enough talent, recruit wise, star wise on this defense that we can just go man for man, and our guys should beat their guys. 
But that's yeah. not how the game works. It's, you know, you can have lesser talent perform wonders on a defense because they have roles and for certain packages and whatnot. So I think the biggest issue in the game is it is mainly Ohio State's defense. That's the problem. But I don't think you can take away from Oregon, found what was working and went back to it. Yeah. Three of those touchdowns were the same sweep run play to the left. Like they were saying to Ohio State, we're just going to go for this one play. And if you can't stop us, we're not going to stop running it. And I think Oregon did a very good job of just doing what they could to win the game and to just frustrate Ohio State to the point they couldn't get back in it. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely couldn't agree more. Suck, um, going into this game, uh, you have to say that sort of, for want of a better word, the Ducks' tails were, were probably trending down after a tight win in a game that, you know, on paper they were definitely expected to win. Yeah. Losing Kayvon Thibodeau and another, they had another defensive play they lost, Just didn't they? Flow. There's some flow, yeah. Um, everything was trending sort of downward for the Ducks in this game. Yeah. But after this win, they've had two wins to start the season, beating Fresno State and Ohio State. And now they are, are, are ranked accordingly. Uh, do, what, what, do you know where they are ranked again? They're the fourth. Third or fourth. They're fourth. Okay. They're fourth. fourth. Okay. So from what seemed like uh, a bit of a panic stations to in the space of one game, they've just won possibly probably the hardest game on their schedule. Where do the Ducks go from here? Can they, do you think they can continue stride for stride and and once again shrug off that any of those worries and, and continue on their drive towards their goal of being Pac-12 champions again? I think you've got to take it one game at a time. I mean, we've got a, a pretty decent schedule coming up. Um, I, I'd say the next four games are quite winnable in my book. And then we've got the bis, big game against UCLA, which now is looking like a really, really big game, um, considering you know how UCLA have started the season as well. Mm. So it's going to be massive. I'm under no illusions that we're still probably overlooked or maybe a top four spot. I can still see us losing somewhere down the line. Um, but I feel more confident now in the system. Um, I, I was a bit unsure of Cristobal. Uh, but, and I think a lot of it is down to last season. But I think now I feel I feel a lot more confident in, in our defence and even the offence just to manage the game well in, in sort of these situations. But I'm under no illusions that Ohio State's defence wasn't exactly, you know, top build. You know, if, if we're going to face other teams like, say, an Alabama, even someone like a Clemson, uh, we may come unstuck if we were to be in the uh, championship games. But it, it it's... Who knows? Who knows? I'm, I'm still not certain, to be honest. Um, I think it was a great win. Um but I I'm still think that we're still far off the pace from mm. some of the teams um, in college football. But I'll enjoy to... it. I'll enjoy it while it while it's there. Of course. Um, and just to finish off, oh, as ESPN decides to play some music in the background, as I can't turn it off. Um, just to finish off, a little, you know, uh, they don't deserve a lot of credit overall because it was a disappointing loss. But a bit of credit to CJ Stroud, um, you know, mm. the guy's a freshman quarterback, first two games uh, in college out of high school. And, uh, he, you know, he had a QBR of 85 against Minnesota and 81.4 against Oregon. 
Uh, I know he's got some great weapons, but he looks like an extremely special talent. Mm. Yeah, tons of respect for him uh, after watching that game. It was, he just never, in, in, other, in other weeks against another opposition, we would have won that game quite easily and the game would have been over by the third quarter. But this guy just carried on, you know, making, yeah. making those plays. They just weren't quite right at the end, you know, to get that one big play. But we, we rode our luck at times as well. Um, I think Tristan nailed it on the head. It wasn't like a super-duper defensive performance. It was just key moments that we were winning, you know, those key battles right at the end. Um, and yeah. I'm sure they're going to... I'm sure a lot of those players are going to be suffering. Um, but it's, it's a good job we've got. I think we've got Stony Brook next week. So that's not... Um, not the toughest of games. So, yeah. You know. No, definitely. I agree. I yeah. agree. But I think uh, there's a lot to look forward to in Ohio State uh, in the in the quarterback position. I think he's a very yeah. uh, a very good, talented young I mean, quarterback. M- more importantly, I mean, Tristan, how do you feel about this now from a Clemson point of view? I think this entire weekend of college football, we'll get into more of it, you know, going down the line. It looks a lot better for Clemson. Like the, I, I think I said it in the group chat. I've probably said it on Twitter. I was hoping that Ohio State would, because when we lost to Georgia, ESPN could not stop telling everyone how Clemson was done. The dynasty's already over. They're not going to the playoff. They're a terrible team now. Dabo's got it all wrong. The media hammered us for losing a neutral site game by seven points and not conceding a touchdown from an offensive play. But Ohio State can lose as a double-digit favorite at home, and everyone's just like, "Yeah, it's fine. Don't worry about it." Like, I don't quite understand from a point of view why those losses look so different. But I'm hoping the committee look at that and go, "I think the Ohio State worst Oregon is lost uh, is worse for them." And but I and I think I mean I think it makes the playoff more interesting now. I think it brings more teams into it because Ohio State at one loss, Clemson at one loss, one of the big SET Eh, I can't get my words out. SEC teams is going to have a loss. There's going to be multiple one-loss contenders because I can't see Iowa going undefeated in the Big Ten. Can't see that happening. Can't see Florida going undefeated. Texas A&M aren't going undefeated. Bama might go undefeated and be the one seed. But there's so many one-loss teams. It's going to get to the point of who looks better coming later down the year? Who, you know... Who's going to win the conference championships? Like, if if Oregon can get to the Pac-12 championship and be an undefeated team, then they're absolutely in the playoff because there's going to be a lot of one-lost teams. So I think scenario-wise, this actually is the perfect result for college football in general. The Oregon win because mm-hmm. it now makes it's not apart from Alabama, who look unbeatable, mm-hmm. but truth be told, they played a bad Miami team in Mercer. I'll be interested to see how they play against Florida. But you're going to have teams with one loss, and it's going to bring in a number of scenarios come the end of it. And strength of schedule is going to impact. And how good do you look in your title game? You know, if and again, if it means that rather than it being in everybody else's hands for the teams like Oregon, Oregon have got it all in their own hands. Oregon's only really difficult game left on the schedule is that UCLA game. That's that's the game before the Pac-12 title. I can see them going undefeated. But they could be a one-loss conference champion. And mm. Clemson might be a one-loss conference champion. So are Ohio State. Then you have to look at... then, And if that's the case, and you've got 
you know, Oregon and Ohio State looking at the playoff spot, then give the edge to Oregon. Oregon have the uh, Oregon have that win over the Buckeyes. It, it's going to throw mm. up a number of different scenarios. Mm. And then see. strength of schedule as well. Like the argument, yeah. if you had Clemson in there, Ohio State arguably may have. See, we'll have, have the, the the hardest schedule, aren't they? Yeah, it, it's going to make things very very interesting. Mm. It does. It does indeed. But what was also very interesting was uh, the Battle of Iowa this weekend, which even split our hosts in terms of who we predicted would win there this game. There we go. Sadiq <laughs> and Tristan both believe that the Cyclones would take the dub, while uh, Nick Back is his, uh, a team that he's not supposed to like very much as a Nebraska fan, but did back his Big Ten team. Closet uh, Hawks fan. Closet Hawks fan. And uh, yeah, it was a win for the Iowa City-based team, the Hawkeyes, who won 27-17 to 17 on the road at Jack Trice Stadium. Um, well, first of all, one guy that we spoke about uh, at the end of um, Scores on the Doors, I believe, last week, uh, Brock Purdy, who, who might I continue, <laughs> might, might I continue, was... Ranked a top 20 Heisman candidate preseason, according to DraftKings, whether you like it or not. But he had himself a horror show in this game, uh, completing under 50% of his passes for only 138 yards, three picks, no touchdowns, and was benched for Hunter Deckers, who fared a lot better. Um, Tristan, Putting all jokes aside, Brock Purdy this weekend, he, he had a very uncharacteristic shocker. He's not had, so he has not some great games, but this was an uncharacteristic shocker. Um, what went wrong for him? You used the word interesting to describe this game, and I can't think of a word that is so far from the truth to describe this game. I think Sook's probably going to allude to it as well. This was not an enjoyable watch. This was a tough watch. And not just because Brock Purdy, you know, only went 13 of 27 for 138 yards and three picks. Mm. Spencer Petrus only went for 11 of 21, 106 and a touchdown. No no team rushed for more than 100 yards. No Mm. team... Iowa State actually had the better receiving day. They spread the ball around and made some yards between their two quarterbacks. Brees Hall was a non-factor in this game. He had that one touchdown at the red zone. They got it there. Um, this was a game that was purely won because Iowa have the better defense. Iowa had the picks. They got the picks. Um, it was two pick sixes, I believe, in all the, and they just shut the game down late. Like, mm. how many times will you? I, I can't think of a team who probably had just over two hundred yards of total off not even 200 yards of total offense and wins a top 10 matchup it just doesn't happen so this game was very underwhelming Brock Purdy especially was very underwhelming but again I I was never overly in love with Brock Purdy as a QB anyway I always thought Mm -hmm. limitations are there he you know he's never beat Iowa he's been at Iowa State for five years he's never won this game not once it was just it was it just wasn't enjoyable to watch Nick it was everyone I can't tell you anyone that I went 
yeah, you really played well throughout mm. the entirety of that game. Every the players who did do something, it was splashes of moments. That was probably the only moment I can think about them in that game in its entirety. Yeah, it was a dull watch. Hawkeyes won it on defense, um, but I think this win makes them look a lot better than they are because they'll they'll claim it as a top ten win. But I, if there's teams that can actually put some offense together. They can't rely on two pick sixes a game. Mm. They can't go anywhere going for less than 200 yards offensively a game. This was... The word I'm thinking... This game was the, is the word I'm thinking. It begins with S and ends in T. And mm. I, I, I can't really say much more to it than that. It was... Mm. It was honest... Like, yeah. I, I haven't got anything positive. Few less letters, Nick. Game. You less letters. And I can't think of anything overly positive to yeah. say about this game. I mean, I mean, the best way to describe it from our perspective is in our household. So after the, obviously watching the, the Ducks game, obviously I'm a bit, you know, sort of hyper. Um, my oldest, Kira, would let him stay up a bit later just because he's had a bit of a tough week. And I was like, let's watch some college football. You know, you can learn about the game. And I, was, I was telling you all about Iowa State and Iowa Hawkeyes, you know, the rivalry, blah, blah, blah. Think within the first quarter of the game, and he never does this. He's like, I think I might just go to bed. <laughs> and when you tell an eight-year-old, when an eight-year-old says, "I think I might just go to bed," and I was like, "But I'm letting you stay up till whenever." He's like, "Yeah, but I'm not really interested in this." Like, and then and then he ended up just putting on match of the day on the iPad. Wow. And it, yeah, like, it just weren't. He just was not interested, and I, I was trying to explain to him. Obviously, you know the, the two running backs. You got Brees Hall there for Iowa State. You got you know Goodson there for the Hawkeyes, and you know the potential, you know future NFL stars. You know, just trying to get him a bit interested, and yeah, just you couldn't pay him to watch that game. To be quite it frank, um, was not a good advert for college football. If you were no, trying yeah. to show someone college football for the first time and going, this is genuinely as good as the NFL. Maybe not from a complete quality of football standpoint, but there's a lot of reasons it's as good as the NFL. And you showed them this game, they'd be like, "You are crazy." Some of those interceptions. I mean, that that last one to Hankins. I know there was a touch. There was a hand there, but I, I just don't know what where where which receiver he was looking at. It, it, it just. And, and, and I think you've got to give the Hawkeyes some sort of credit because the Cyclones, I mean, last year were everyone's sort of darling fairy tale, weren't they? Mm. No one was really criticising. Okay, yeah, Purdy, we weren't saying he was the the game changer in those um, those matches, but he was fairly decent as a QB. He wasn't like Brock Purdy this season, was he? He was pretty, he was pretty decent. I, so that's, I think that's the reason why that he was sort of shortlisted on DraftKings yeah. because let's be real he's the quarterback of a team that finished why in the rankings last year like like they were they were quite high right when they were seventh or something yeah so I mean that's the guy's also a senior so you've got the senior of a senior quarterback of a team that finished seventh in, in the rankings that I mean they're going to make the Heisman shortlist no matter what whether they're good enough or not really it's just it just mm. It's that, but that's what he's. That's what's happened to him. He's been a product of a team that's just done well overall, and then he's obviously been found out a little bit. And it's a shame because Purdy's only played Iowa once, and it was the game back in 2019 where um, he actually played quite well. 
He, he played it all right. He was like 24 for 34, 276 yards and a touchdown, 68.8 QBR. It's all right. But he, they lost by a point. Iowa came back in the fourth quarter after losing. Uh, they were losing 49 uh, at the end of the third. But um, but the thing is, yeah. Well, I've got two more points I want to make. First, I'm going to ask, uh, I'm going to ask Tristan about the Hawkeyes. Um, two very two impressive wins for them, you know. Uh, Iowa State and Indiana, two teams who were both very good last season, both both not as good this season, but still the Hawkeyes are a team that if not if they're not one thing, they are consistent. Um, they there's a loss on Ohio State's ledger now. This team does not play the Ohio State Buckeyes. Is is it even worth talking about a team like the Hawkeyes being a potential Big Ten champion threat? No, because they will lose two games on their schedule. I Where? Penn State, Wisconsin. Mm. Penn State, I'd agree with. Yeah. Penn State, Wisconsin. I'm... They'll lose both of those. They're teams that. Um, mm. Wisconsin really? have a Chesma Lucy at running back for Wisconsin will get them enough offense going. Iowa don't have anything on offense. Iowa show you nothing on offense. What they're going to rely on is playing old school Big Ten football where they need to keep it close and they'll nick it with good defensive play against a team like Wisconsin that, yes, they lost to Penn State, but they were able to put some offense up. Penn State look like they are capable of playing offense and they look good on defense. They're not, that Iowa offense may just get seven points against them. They, they, I think Iowa's offense is just that much of a train wreck. Mm-hmm. I think there's two losses going in to um, the final part of their schedule. And at that particular point, if you're looking at Iowa, then Wisconsin are probably taking the West over them. Mm. I think, even uh-huh. though... Even though they're 0-1 in the Big Ten, I can't. I can't. Illinois, Purdue, Nebraska, Minnesota, and Northwestern aren't challenging for the West. The East yeah. isn't. At, I think the East could be up for grabs now. Um, I think it really. Like, I think the the East could be won. Penn State, uh, Ohio State. Um, that's going to be a big game in that in context of that. But I, yeah, I see two. I see two losses for. I see two losses, at least for Iowa. And at this so, point, I, and there's possibly one more loss on Wisconsin's schedule. They'll both be two lost teams, but the tie break because Wisconsin will have beat Iowa is my prediction. I don't think Iowa are good enough to go into the Big Ten Championship. If they somehow do, whichever team wins the East is blowing them out. I'm... I'm so glad that you started to put the words I think or it's in my opinion because you started with saying no, uh, Iowa will lose these games and I, 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 not you just in particular Tristan, myself and Suk uh, I've been too confident on stuff already this season and been completely and utterly wrong as ever so I think I'm so glad that you threw some thinks in there because you've sold some certainties that have not become true this season as of we all. So I, I am on purpose now going to just say, I believe that or I think that because uh, I'm not going to get caught out again. To be honest, half the time I just say, I, I'm going for the home team. And that's what I did for the, <laughs> that's what I did for this game. I, I think I said it on the pod as well. I couldn't decide between the two and I just went for the home team and I should have known better. 
Because part of me, I mean, if, if you ask me who I wanted to win, my heart wanted the Hawkeyes to win. Well, my I heart didn't of... want the Hawkeyes. I thought would win. So yeah. I can't say my heart won. So heart won. Yeah, but I, I no, but then I generally just went, you know, go for the home team yeah. if you can't decide. That's fair enough. But I've got one more question for you, Tristan. Sorry, for you, Suck. And it's um, it's about Brees Hall. First two yeah. games, uh, he's had a touchdown and 60-odd yards. You know, all right performances, but not the sort of barnstormers he was having last season, nor yeah. that he would maybe want to have had in these first two games against Northern Iowa and, uh, and Iowa. Um in a bid to, you know, I'm sure he wants to be the first running back taken off the board. And as we all allude to later, uh, his main competitor seems to have had a better start to the season than Isaiah Spiller at Texas mm. A&M. Uh, any worries about Brees Hall? Has he got, has he got anything that needs to maybe think about? Or, you know, could it be any issues with him there? Um, it's a difficult one, but in terms of what is more concerning at the minute, it's not where his future lies in terms of the draft, it's he's just got to he's got to take the game by the scruff of the neck for his Cyclones because it it clearly shows that when Brees Hall is not having an effective running game or if he's only averaging three yards like he did the previous week, then the offense struggles and that puts more pressure on Brock Purdy. And when you put Brock Purdy under pressure, he's going to make those mistakes. So. Yeah, for me, it is a concern from a, a Cyclones perspective because they've digressed massively without really much changing from last year, from mm. what I recall. I mean, that, that that's what is a bit confusing to me, you know. Like, what 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 was it? Was last year a fluke because of COVID or without mm. fans? Was was what was the reason behind you performing so well last season? Then all of a sudden this year. Uh, just changing because every you know all we heard about last season was um you know Brees Hall being obviously a potential first round uh, running back um and Matt Campbell being this future NFL head coach and now it just seems just seems to have kind of turned its head a little bit you know yeah over the last no. couple of weeks couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. And moving on to the third and final staple game. Uh, can I just? Oh, sorry. Oh, can I? I just want to make a quick point to to sort of that. I think what you're seeing this year is teams don't worry about what Brock Purdy's doing passing the ball mm. and that offense mm. as a throwing attack. And the reason you're seeing Brees Hall struggle is I would probably suggest from what I see, teams load the box a lot more against him. The way Pete and Iowa did it at the weekend, the way they stopped mm. Iowa State was, yeah, we'll load the box, we'll make sure Brees Hall can't open up a pass game because we don't think that Petrus is going to be able to pass the ball in any way, shape or form. Iowa State's leading receiver last year only had 771 yards in total. They had only one other receiver that went over 500 yards and that's Charlie Collar. Like, yeah. they are not a prolific passing team. And any team, I think, going against them this year is just sort of saying, we'll load the box. If we stop Brees Hall, we can stop their offense. And that's really what's happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not a bad shout, to be fair. Not a bad shout. So, um, moving over to our third and final staple game. 
Uh, a game that all the boys agreed on, that uh, Texas, uh, the Longhorns, head coached by Steve Sarkeesian. It is indeed. Uh, took on uh, Arkansas. Uh, Texas started their season with that you know, impressive win against uh, the Raging Cajuns in a ranked game. Arkansas didn't, they were ish comfortable, but they played against a Rice team, which uh, was slightly the second half of the game or the last quarter quarterbacked by Luke McCaffrey, who, um, spoiler alert, former Nebraska player, and yes, the brother of um, Christian McCaffrey, who had a a shocker against Houston? I'm not. I'm not. I'm not happy about it. I'm just. I'm just thinking of how it, I, with McCaffrey. I just think I every day wonder how on earth the Nebraska coaching staff thought right. We should start McCaffrey now because unfortunately Luke McCaffrey is not a great quarterback of the football. But it's anyway, all boiling I over at Rice. I died, yes. Oh, jeez. Oh, I was about oh. to say maybe Nebraska needs to look at their head coaching situation, maybe, um, if they're making those sort of decisions. But we digress. We digress, Nick. <laughs> Any chance to get a dig in. Anyway, uh, we, uh, but yes, back to uh, after the digression. Uh, the Razorbacks come up with a surprise victory, 40-21, to 21, blowing out the Longhorns, made them look absolutely pedestrian. Um, neither side had a passing game. Both sides, mm. I mean, both teams passing were just woeful. Um, in particular, the Longhorns, uh, Sarkeesian will be on a short leash if he keeps trying to throw the ball like he had. Well, not him personally, Hudson Card and Casey Thompson. He's but... uh, actually Hudson Card's been um, dropped for week three. Um, surprising, two hours ago. Not surprising at all. We, we were bigging him up last in the last podcast. Well, yeah, I, I mean, you you guys might have. I didn't. Well, we I think weren't we saying run... anything negative about him. We, we, he had a, he had a fairly, like you know, okay-ish right. game. Yeah, yeah, he was, he was, he was okay. He was all right, but I mean, uh, yeah, all right game. Then a horror show game. Um, but anyway, the Razorbacks. Uh, we were talking about KJ Jefferson and when we did not believe in him, and he still did not have a particularly <laughs> great game. Fairly. Um, accurate, but you know, just short completions and then a pick. But it was the Arkansas run game running by committee, four different players getting touchdowns Trellon Smith, AJ Green, Raheem Sanders, and Dominique Johnson all getting in. Uh, Tristan, did you watch uh, much of this one? The Longhorns defense just seemed to get nowhere near um, KJ Jefferson in this game. No, this was um, very much a game where. Hudson Card looked like a freshman, and that's what he is. Like when you start freshman at quarterback, you get games like this. He just couldn't get it going. His receivers didn't really help him. They tried as hard as they could to get Bijan Robinson into the game. Bijan Robinson was making some plays, but Arkansas' defense just—it was an effort. It was absolutely an effort-based defense i wouldn't tell you that one player on arkansas's defense shone for me and i was like if you had to give it to one you might say hayden um hayden henry he had a really good game but there was three four five sort of guys that you could say we're just swarming the ball their plan was if we can just stop them in any way shape or form and give ourselves a chance 
we could do something. And when Texas couldn't get things going on offense, and like you say, Arkansas just realized that running the ball was working, that Texas's defense could not stop it. And a bit like I said with the Oregon game, Arkansas just sat there and went, if it's not broken, let's not try and fix this. And they just insisted on running the ball down Texas's throat, if that was with Traylon Smith, KJ Jefferson, you know, Raheem Sanders, whoever they wanted to try and run the ball with, they were just going to do it. And Texas couldn't find an answer defensively, and they couldn't get anything going on offense. And welcome to the SEC, Texas. And welcome indeed if you're going to go and get done by 20 points by Arkansas every year. Um, I just think this was a really well-coached Arkansas team. I've said before, I think Sam Pittman's doing a good job down here, uh, down there in Arkansas. I told him there. Um, for me, Texas were uninspiring on offense. It was everything that was good about Texas last week seemed to disappear this week. They weren't great on defense last week, but they made enough solid effort to keep themselves in the game and their offense did the job for them. This week, they just couldn't do either of those things. And I think if Steve Sarkeesian... Like a lot of Texas coaches before him, the issue of consistency with Texas, they've always been a bit like this ever since since Mac Brown and Vince Young left. It's been one really good game. Then they'll have an absolute horror show like this. And it's just Texas being Texas, I'm afraid. But we're getting there. Yeah. I can't profess to be someone who watches a lot of Big 12 and... Uh... But the Razorbacks, of course, they will probably be um, sort of sitting towards the bottom end of the SEC. But are we seeing a, a better Razorbacks team than we have in recent years? Yeah, I would say so. Yeah. I would say I would say they're they're trying to build something. There's like the the program's fundamentals are there. Like it's all about effort. It's I think they understand they're not the most talented team in the SEC and they're going to struggle. But one thing they're not going to be beat on is putting a hundred percent in every game. Mm. No, no, that's a that's that's a great point. That's a great point. Suck as well, going back to speaking about individual players. Um, I mean you can't you can't really help when you know in your receiver and you're not getting thrown the ball, but uh I wonder if uh one trailing Burks will be pretty peed off at his quarterback KJ Jefferson so far because again big year for Burks wants to be a first round quarterback uh, and he has four, was it 40 like he had um, I think he's got like uh, 79 receiving yards in his first two games mm-hmm. against Rice and Texas and no touchdowns um, you know as a receiver of course it's completely different than a running back you know you have to you have to catch you have to get the ball from your quarterback but uh if you're not if you're not getting the opportunities and you're not going to get the yards, the the draft stock's going to go down. Yeah, potentially. I mean, sometimes obviously teams will know. I'm sure teams have done their homework on Traylon. You know, in terms of what he performed last year and you know the type of quarterback that has thrown him the ball. So I get it. I, I still think it, yeah, it will potentially hurt his draft stock because. Naturally, you've seen it over the last few years. You've always had, you know, uh, the wide receivers from the top teams like Alabama's and your Clemson's go, sort of, you know, first, you know, um, as in the first receiver off the board. So, yeah, it's always going to be a tall order when you're playing for somewhat of a smaller school, you know, compared mm. to some of the big ones. But at the end of the day, there's no doubt the talent is there for the kid. Um, you know, uh, 
he's still got 10 receptions of the season, which isn't bad. Um, I'm sure he just wants to get that touchdown. And then, you know, maybe at that point, it's probably a bit like what Tristan said about um, Brees Hall, you know, teams are more aware of his potential and obviously making sure that you know, yeah. he's looked after in a way. But he's had I, some really, he's had some really, really strong games performances last season. Um, oh, I, I can't agree. I can't agree more. I think it's, I think it's more of a case of we're not, we're not having the discussion whether Traylon Burks will be an NFL receiver. We're more having a discussion whether Traylon Burks can be a first round NFL receiver. And, uh, in a, you know, again, it's gonna it's, it's a long season, but we we just talk about ifs and buts. I think it would take a lot for Traylon Burks to be a first round receiver if he finished with something like six hundred yards and and four touchdowns for Arkansas. Mm. I mean, he's a junior as well, so he's not going to be could in any back. sort of. He could come back. Yeah, he won't mm. be in any sort of. Uh, you know. Normally in this situation, you, you know, you look to the senior bowl, don't you, to try and get one up, you know, one upmanship over certain players. So you never know. Yeah, he might come back for another year uh, while they're declaring this year. May have a better quarterback throwing to him. You never know. Um, I'm not know. too sure of the uh, Razorbacks' depth in that position, unfortunately. Yeah. Well, we obviously wish him uh, the best and uh, hopefully but- he can kick on. One one but, defensive player I did want to shout out Grant Morgan. I think he had a a, a solid game. Um, if we're looking at sort of individual performances, um, I think he had thirteen tackles uh, in the game in total. I think a, a yeah. few of them were assists, but he um, I think he also had a, a couple of tackles for loss of yardage. And he's someone um, I think will you know have a have a bright future ahead of him. Did pick up an injury, um, sadly, so I'm not sure what his status is for the rest of the season but I think it didn't sound like it was too much of a serious injury if I'm being honest so. That's good to hear. No, Grant Morgan yeah fifth year senior um, up and down sort of career for Arkansas he seems to have like one really good year then he'll have an off year then have a really good year then an off year he, consistency has always been the issue with Grant mm-hmm. Morgan um, again typical like I say, he's a high motor guy he's just he's there mm-hmm. yeah he had a big game like I say Hayden Henry Grant Morgan um, bumper pool um, another no, person with a he probably makes our all-name team. I think that's yeah. what we do in the off-season. We have an all-name team. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, Bumper Pool from Lucas, Texas. Um, another senior. He had a really good game. But it was, like I say, it was all about effort and mm. just trying to do as much as they could as a defensive yeah. unit. It's funny what you say about consistency because Grant Morgan last week was done for targeting as well. So he missed three quarters of the game last week and then has a, a really good game this week and then and gets injured in the fourth quarter. So... It's yeah, really, real mixed bag when you look at it from that perspective. I think I'm a guy called Bumper Pool. Yeah, Bumper. That's a, that, there are some just, great. I'm just looking. Some... At, I'm just looking at his Instagram now, actually. <laughs> Bumper Pool. Um, his, his name is actually Bumper James Morris Pool. <laughs> <laughs> there are some great names in college football, and I'm I'm all here for it. I guess I'll have to take a quick snap break. Um, it's time to move on to the sort of 90-second roundups. We've got a bunch of games that also had things to note in them. Um, and we're just going to jump into them and and just give a quick breakdown of what happened. So we're going to start by... Um, I'm going to list the name of the game and the score. 
and I'm just going to give anyone free reign to just jump in and talk about it. So, here we go. NC State, 10. Mississippi State, 24. Told you Mississippi State would win. You did? Do you want to, <laughs> do you want to expand on that? Will Rogers had a pretty good game. Yeah, he did. He did. Uh, I think I mentioned him last week as well. So, um, quite delighted with that uh, prediction. I've not really watched too much of the game. It, it seemed... It just seemed too easy for them, to be honest. I mean, Wolfpack just got their touchdown in the fourth quarter, so didn't look like it was um, didn't look like it was too difficult for that, that see, bulldog defense. Did you see Lydiatric Griffin's one hundred yard return touchdown return as well to open the game? That 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 was pretty decent. Yeah, that was nice. It was a good start, isn't it? Yeah, it was just it was a really old game because NC State offensively could get the game going. Um, and it wasn't, you know, it, it's an enormous, if you're an NC State fan, it's disappointing um, because it's, it wasn't, the, like, they didn't have a terrible performance. Like, it just wasn't good. Like, like for instance, Devin Leary was 30, completed 30 or 49 passes for a 303 touchdown and a pick. Not the worst game, not the best game. They couldn't get their run game going. Um, receivers, again, they spread the ball out relatively well. Defensively, they lacked pressure. Uh, Mississippi State had plenty of time. Yeah, Will Rogers went 33 from 49 for 294, two touchdowns. Again, but they didn't have a run game either and spread the passing out. When Mississippi State got a little bit more, they had a little bit more... Just they had a bit more defensively about them to hold the wolf pack to those ten points. So uh, it's one of those ones. If you're NC State, you're, you're you're writing that off and you're moving on, and it's a horrible loss. Uh, BYU twenty six, Utah seventeen. I want to give Tristan the floor because you were. This is one of the games that you said the Utes were going to win and win it handily. Um, they they didn't turn up, did they? Oh uh, no, Utes were. Yeats, which just weren't very good. Uh, Brewer, 15-26, one touchdown, one pick. Uh, Bernard had a nice rushing game. Mm, um, but that, but it's just, it was just everything I've, and again, Jaron Hall only had 150 <clears throat> yards passing. Difference was three touchdowns. He was clinical when he had the ball. BYU rushed the ball really well. They had um, Alagir went 102 yards and they had Jaron Hall who from quarterback ran for 92 himself it was just <laughs> again it was everything about what I thought of BYU I didn't like Utah couldn't convert a third down to save their life they were 2 of 9 on third down where BYU were 11 of 19 like mm. it was BYU had all the possession they had 40 or I think it was between 35 and 40 minutes of possession and 20 the other way. Turnovers killed Utah. You know, they had the two, they had the fumble and the interception. BYU didn't turn the ball over. Offensively, these teams were quite evenly matched. Turnovers and third down efficiency are what killed it for the Utes. Do you, do you give BYU, off the back of this now, do you give BYU any chance against Arizona State next this weekend? Uh, I'd need to watch a little bit more Arizona State. They're a team I've missed a couple of their games. I've not watched them. Mm. I, with with the time difference and with a bit of other games to watch, I've, I need to watch a couple of bits of the Arizona State game to comment. Mm. I, it would be a reckless prediction if I was to say yes or no. 
I'd say, I think, yeah. spoiler alert, yes, I think they do have a chance. Of course yeah. they do. But I don't think, and that's not me saying I think they'll win, but Arizona State is not a big enough step up over Utah to rule the BYU out of winning. But mm. I don't think, I'm not saying I think they'll win. I think I think he gives them a chance now because I mean I was expecting a lot more from the Utes defense to be honest. Um, I bigged them up quite a lot last week. Now you know, you, you know they, they were stacked at the linebacker position and really they, they just didn't really do too much. I, I'd say yeah, BYU Arizona State would be quite a closely contested game, especially you know be interested to see Jaden Daniels, arguably the better quarterback than um, obviously you know. Uh, Brewer. Brew. Oh yeah, I I agree with that. Um, Colorado Buffalo seven, Texas A and M Aggies uh ten, um bailed out much. So do you want to roll with this one or do you want me? I'll be honest, I've not watched too much of the highlights of this game. Um, yeah, fair enough. Uh, a, yeah, just... yeah. Uh, horrible, horrible game for the Aggies. Um, it's just one of it was. You know, Haynes King got injured. Um, yeah, that it looks like he's going to be out for five weeks. Um, but again, it's it's a very much like I sort of I was I said about um, I would say they couldn't um, and not being able to get anything done on, on offense. It was really much the same for the Aggies. The Aggies couldn't get their run game going. Um, they couldn't seem to just. It was spluttering a little bit. It was spluttering. It all happened late. Considering Texas A&M hold really two really good running backs, they had 29 rush attempts and they only got 90, um, 97 yards. Compared to Colorado State, who had 38 rushing attempts, had 171 yards. Um, QB play was fairly similar. And Colorado, even for a pick. Uh, but again, the turnover battle was sort of equal. But it was just really... A&M couldn't get anything going on offense. Their defense held them in the game. And then it was very late. Colorado put a lot of effort in. The, the, the energy was low. And, you know, A&M walk out and steal one. You can have one of these every year. Um, but the fact they're starting quarterback is going to be out for five weeks. Zach Calzada had a solid game. Nothing to write home about. We'll be interested to see what happens with the Aggies moving forward. Just before I say the next game, very briefly, it's really real. When I Google the name Isaiah Spiller, the first story is Buccaneers need to keep an eye on Texas A&M. Remember Isaiah Spiller? Spoiler mm. alert. Spoiler alert. <laughs> well, I think we'll be linked to a, a good few running backs in, in this draft. Um, so Probably. It's, it's been changing. One minute, I'm, a few weeks ago, it was Brees Hall. Mm-hmm. Next week, it will be, you know, be John Robinson. It'll be so, you know, it's just going to all change all the all the time. So, yeah, just take that with a pinch of salt. Michigan Wolverines 31, Washington Huskies 10. Um, simply put, Michigan look like a good football team. Washington don't so far. Is that, is that a, similar, a simple way to say it? I mean, Michigan's running, run game running game. Just, 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 <laughs> Yeah. It's just destroying teams at the moment. Blake Corum and Hassan Hankins, they had uh, over 320 yards between them and four touchdowns. Yeah, I don't think you can really put much more to it than that. Uh, Washington well, don't seem to have figured it out after um, the Montana game. Yeah. I was expecting a little bit more of a bounce back from them. Didn't didn't happen at all. <laughs> Michigan all struggling against the good teams. Um, I think in you know, in, in the Big Ten. But I think Michigan are improved from where they were last year. Yeah. And this seems like a team and this 
a squad where Harvard knows he's coaching for his job a little bit, that he needs to show improvement and do something. And that's exactly what this is. Mm. But I think Nick summed it up perfectly well. Big, big game for uh, potential first round edge rusher Aiden Hutchinson as well, wasn't it? Two and a half sacks. He made uh, he made Dylan Morris's life a, a bit of a bit of a hell. He did indeed. He's a very good player. Mm. Uh, right. What Harbaugh's doing is just keeping it simple, isn't he? And I think that's all he needs to do rather than complicate things like they were doing last year. Tennessee Volunteers thirty four, Pittsburgh Panthers forty one. Uh, a cracking game, to say the least. Despite Stuart Love watching the uh, the wrong game, <laughs> <laughs> that was brilliant. So we have a WhatsApp group chat, and we and I was like, I'm gonna actually watch this Pitt Tennessee game. And old Stuart Love comes in the group chat. He's like, Yeah, I'm watching Pitt too, and he sends a picture of his TV, and I'm like, Pitt, you mass. That was their last game, Stuart. So he was almost giving it a bit of Pitt, you mass. Um, Probably would have been as much fun for Pitt as watching this Tennessee game because they both um, both times it was a W. But uh, I think I was telling you guys on WhatsApp when I was I decided to watch this in its entirety for some reason. I chose this over Oregon Ohio State as what I watched live to begin with. Um, Couldn't go wrong with either game though, could you? No, no. Early doors. Tennessee looked like we're going to blow the doors off. Pitt. Pitt couldn't get anything going defensively, offensively. Joe Milton had a philosophy of going, if I throw the ball far enough, someone might catch it. And he was just throwing bombs and receivers were dropping. They got off early and it just, it was, it was looking good. Milton got injured. Um, Hendon Hooker comes in the game. Pitt starts getting it going a little bit on offense. And every time Tennessee seemed to have a third down where Tennessee had Pitt third and long, there was one of two things that happened. Either Pitt would somehow mainly from Kenny Pickett, just rolling around in the pocket and sprinting for his life to make a play. Or there'd be some silly penalty from Tennessee, which gave automatic first downs. Um, This game was really back and forth. Neither team looked brilliant. Neither team looked bad. Um, The game was as close to the scoreline suggest. If I'm a Vols fan, I'd be really annoyed purely on the basis. There were so many times they could have got pit off the field. Um, for penalties, they had 13 penalties for just shy of 200 yards in this game. That's the tale of why this game wasn't a Tennessee win. It was they discipline was poor, but neither team really outshone the other. No, I was just listening to you speak there. I think, I think Pitt. I mean, that that second quarter for Pitt was just destructive Tennessee kind of hit the beast like the, the self-destruct button in there and I think Pitt were probably better off with Hooker in his quarterback as I've said from time to time again I just don't rate Joe Milton at all but um, but yeah Pickett had a had a, a decent game and but the run the run game again just let down to the pair the Panthers no one really making the big plays uh, but the two sort of big names on the Panthers receiving core, Jordan Addison and Lucas Kroll, the tight end and the sophomore receiver for snagging a touchdown. Um, surely helps them. Right, well, moving on to the next game. Uh, Appalachian State. So Miami 25, Appalachian State 23. Mm. A uh, nail-biting win for the Canes. Yeah, we said it would be close, didn't we? And yeah, it, it certainly was. I mean... 
Derek King not really doing much on on a passive perspective, just you know, more using his legs to try and get Miami obviously over the hurdle. Very, very fortunate, you know, uh field goal uh wins at the end for them. But Maya they made it made it really tough. Um nothing much even from App State. It weren't like they were any good at really anyway. There was more just of a rushing game for them, wasn't it? Um than anything else. And the Miami defense just couldn't really stop that. Um, yeah, a bit, bit of an ugly game, to be honest, but nice in the fact that it was obviously a close game. Um, but yeah, Boris Gallus um, sealed it with the field goal. So, yeah. Is that his brother? Yes, he just come it back? is. That's no, his brother. It's his brother. Yeah, okay. so um, he's obviously um, it's with the Bucks. Um, is, he, is he on the Bucks still? Mm, practice squad. No, fair play. Yeah. Yeah. Notre Dame thirty-two, Toledo twenty-nine. Yeah, yeah, that was a great. That was, what I was saying, it was yeah. a great game. It was, um, it was everything I expected it to be. Oddly enough, um, you, you know, Toledo. I, I, I knew. I sort of knew. I'm not. I realised. I listened back to last week, and I'm really smug when I have like a take that's right. So I'm, I'm going to try and not be smug. About no, it. Be, no, no, be smug. You've got to be smug when you get them right. It's just kind of so. When any of us have got to sober up a little bit, I think that when we get, we can. I think you should definitely be smug, but the, we definitely get knocked off our perches when we think we're Nostradamuses very quickly when we get one wrong. <laughs> yeah, and I, 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 I knew sort of Toledo were going to put up points that their run game was going to be solid, and this was such a back and forth crazy game. Um, if you're a Notre Dame fan, you're sort of... I don't know if you're concerned about this because your stars performed. Like, Kyron Williams did some good things. Jack Cohen mm-hmm. did some good things. Michael Meyer, seven catches, eight more yards, two touchdowns. Just ever some stupid mistakes. And Toledo did a really good job of capitalising. Like, Carter Bradley didn't have the greatest game as a quarterback. 17 for, of 27, 213, no touchdowns. Uh, Brian... Colback, Colback, um, 21 rushes, 122 yards, and a touchdown was great. This game was just, for me, it was, this was just lots of swings of momentum. No team could get a foothold in the game, and it was just a, it was an exciting watch. Yeah, we, we were flicking through that back and forth between that and the Utah game, um, and yeah, I think we tend to stop with this game a lot more than the other game, put it that way. Um, it was it was for a very exciting finish as well. Mm. And credit to Cohen as well, like obviously injuring his finger and then... Well, and then throwing a snap, game winner. I mean, it snapped back and then throwing a game winner. That was just like a fairy tale story, isn't it? Definitely, definitely. Uh, the USC Trojans 28, Stanford Cardinal 42. My pick of UCLA winning the like being a good Pac-12 team. I'm actually annoyed at myself for not picking them to win the Pac-12 now. <laughs> I'm because USC right Stanford they're not very good and they're not like they won this game but they're not a very good football team. <laughs> Keelan Slovis didn't get it done. One touchdown, one pick, 223 yards. Their run game was just. It was okay. They had 94 yards. The receiving game wasn't great. It's 
these are games that if you're USC, you just have to you you can't be losing to Stanford. You can't be six or fourteen on third down. You can't be tu- you can't be losing the turnover battle. You can't be just they just didn't get the job done. Like I wouldn't say Stanford did anything electric apart from they ran the ball really well. But it wasn't electric. This was USC shot themselves in the foot quite a few times in this game. And yeah, this is just a massive blemish for the USC Trojans record. And I think it will tumble them to the bottom end of the top 25. And I think it could hamper them looking at a Pac-12 title this year. Before I tell the next score, um, I have to hand it to Tristan Watkin because he made the call about UCLA being sort of sneaky Pac-12 champion contenders and through two games he looks like he could be spot on with them being potential Pac-12 champion contenders. However, the other team he predicted for a resurgence, um, I mean you can't, it's the prime example of what I've said time and time again you get some of them spot on but you don't get them all right Uh, Jacksonville State at Florida State Mm. uh Jacksonville and the score was, uh, I mean, the Jacksonville State 20, Florida State 17. Um, we, we went into this quite in depth, didn't we, guys, after that Florida State Notre Dame game? What, where, where would Florida State go from here? Um, they, they literally couldn't have gone any worse, could they? They've lost to a, is it an FCS team? Is it Division Two? Uh, a game they almost lost. Was it almost lost last year? They yeah. went and lost it this year. Um, that's a that's a blow for for Mike Novell and the team, right? Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah, it's you know I I got it a little wrong. I and I thought after the sort of Notre Dame game, I was like, yeah, okay. Um, they look like they've got something about them here, Florida State. They they've got some options. They can play solid on offense. You know they might be a little bit better than I thought. And then I sort of said, but, you know, I said they would have a resurgence. I wasn't talking about them going and contending for the ACC this year. I was no. sort of on the lines of, I thought they might be able to squeak around bowl eligibility and maybe get a bowl game. Mm. Uh, but this was, this for me, this game is... I, neither of these teams were good. Like... Neither of these teams did well on third down. One did marginally better on fourth downs. They both had similar sort of QB play. Cooper, the former Clemson player, was a, was a bit better for Jacksonville State. You know, he did a bit more, but he had no run game. Their leading rusher was 39 yards, where Corbin for Florida State had 199 yards. So this game was just sort of evenly in the balance, and they would just get a few scores. There was, you know... The pick from Mackenzie Milton cost them, but Jacksonville State have turnovers themselves. So this comes down to me is one, Florida State just need to execute better to win games. They didn't hear. And the prime example of that is on the Hail Mary that Jacksonville State throw. I don't know if either of you guys have seen this, but it's the worst example of tackling I have ever seen. Because <laughs> there are two players there are two players who should bring the guy down and they just don't bring the effort is minimal. Like they don't care that they're about to lose that game. And then I saw something on social media where one of the Florida State linemen 
proposed to his girlfriend while the Jacksonville State Gamecocks were stood behind celebrating. I was literally just about to share that at the end, but thank you. Yeah, Brady Scott um, chose a very strange time to do it. I mean, there's one thing... um, Boise State's Ian Johnson famously proposed after upsetting Oklahoma in the 2007 Fiesta Bowl. But not quite the story for Brady Scott and his partner, who, as you literally just said, Tristan, at Jacksonville State celebrating knocking off Florida State. And in the other end zone, he's proposing to his girlfriend. Because you've not waited that one more game. It's, it's, it's madness. It just, for me, Florida State's mind wasn't on the prize. I think, I think. Getting close against the top 10 team in Notre Dame got them all a little cocky. They yeah. felt they could just walk into this one and get the easy W. Um, that's never the case in college football. You've got to take every opponent seriously because if you don't, you're going to get beat. And finally, uh, South Florida Bulls 20, although I know it's USF, the Florida Gators 42. Uh, not a great uh, quarterback game for Emory Jones, was it? Quite suspect. Um, did he not take an injury? I believe. Yeah. It, Emory no. Jones got injured. He was Emory... two picks further, didn't he? And um, this is one of the few games I didn't see a complete ton of. So, um, so Emory Jones he... threw 14 for 22, 151 yards, a touchdown, and two picks. He did come out of the game injured, and Anthony Richardson came. Yeah, it was in. a hamstring injury, the same. But he did. Uh, he did struggle a little bit beforehand. So. Anthony Richardson put up a bit of a stat line and a bit of a stat line anomaly in this game. And this is the main reason I sort of suggest we had a little look at this because mm. um, I think he is he was free of free for 152 yeah. yards and yeah. two touchdowns. Like Nyon, he pitched in, as a quarterback for the limited time he got. A perfect game. Um, mm. And... Yeah, his, he got the 100 QBR. Have you seen? He had three He had three passes and four runs. So seven plays. And he, and had, he has uh, 115 two, yards rushing as well, doesn't he? 267 yards and three wow. touchdowns on seven plays. <laughs> wow. And that's, and that's really that's what I want. insane. It is insane. And he probably needs to be their starting quarterback. And the guy's only a freshman. Jesus, he's going to be good. <laughs> Jesus, he's going to be good. Uh, USF aren't very good. Um, Jeff Scott's trying to rebuild. He got injured, there. though. He's got injured as well, though. He's injured oh. his hamstring, apparently. Oh, oh, no. Suspense looms after QB. I'm sorry. I think I've misread a headline. No, that's the original. He's, he's yeah. But, yeah. But I just wanted to. It's when I suggested. Oh, no, he did, was... he, did suffer, he did also suffer a hamstring injury, actually. Dan Mullen said. Wow. So, oh, oh dear. But yeah, I just wanted I just wanted to bring this game up purely for that ridiculous set of stats. Like I didn't watch I've only watched some brief highlights of this game and I don't know if you guys have watched it, but I just thought we can do a ninety second roundup while probably mentioning the most ridiculous stat line of the weekend. Oh I thank you for bringing it to our attention because that that's brilliant. And just I like to add Jacob Copeland, the receiver for Florida, five catches for 175 yards. Does anyone know what anything about Jacob Copeland in particular? We might have mentioned on this podcast before. The name ring a bell at all? Does anyone know about his famous signing day moment? Is Jacob? No, no. I'm thinking. I was thinking it was Jacob Copeland, the one that his mum walks out when he chooses Florida. Yes. Yeah. He was his mum. 
alive on TV when he's when he chose Florida over Alabama and could have been Clemson. I'm not too sure. His mum gets up and just walks out, and they interview him and he's getting really upset. And they're like, "Who was that?" And he's like, "That's my mum." And uh, the reason why was because that he didn't want her to stay in Florida because he was getting apparently involved in some gang-related activities and she wanted him away out of the state, away from that, that potential life. Um, but yeah, that, that, uh, it's turned out pretty decent for him. He's looking quite good at Florida. I'm sure he'll be an NFL receiver one day. Um, for sure. Yeah, yeah, a bit of bit of an up and down career so far. He's never really this. This is looking like it could be his breakout year. Um, so far, if he gets another touchdown, he will equal his most for uh, his record for most touchdowns in the season. He's only ever got three touchdowns in a season. That was last mm. season. Um, so it's been up and down for him. But uh, yeah, if he can break out this year, get some NFL attention, that'd be really good for him. But yeah, crazy stat line in that game. Some good play from the Gators. And, of course, we're going to finish it off very quickly as we, we just could not. Uh, the Clemson Tigers, Tristan, your Tigers, as I mentioned at the start of the show, gimme games were heading the way of teams like Alabama um, and and Georgia, right? Georgia had a Georgia had a gimme game, didn't they? Yep, it's gimme game week. It pretty much seemed um, like it was gimme game week. But, um, yeah, against UAB. But um, Clemson, they played the South Carolina State Bulldogs. How did that game go? Yeah, 49-3 win for Clemson. It was everything that um, sort of Clemson needed it to be. It was a big win. Um, we rotated lots of guys in and out of the game. It wasn't like... I think at one point we had... I think it was 80 different players playing the game. Like, we were properly just rotating backups in... Will Shipley saw a big amount of, um, of playing time. He had eight carries for 80 yards, two touchdowns. Um, interesting thing, only really interesting thing about this is it seems that after the Georgia game, um, Tony Elliott, the comes defensive coordinator, has slightly changed the scheme they're going to play on offense, a bit more of an RPO-based scheme. DJ Ungalele, um, 14-24, 171 yards, touchdown and an interception, still showing some teething pains as the Tigers starting quarterback. But an uh, easy match against Georgia Tech next week. Hopefully, can keep it going. But this was a lot of getting a bit of confidence and trying to figure out the best way for us to play. Brilliant. Thanks very much, Tristan. And obviously, we know about Sucks headlining Ducks at the start of the show. Uh, and the Nebraska Cornhuskers, there were some murmurs on the podcast about, you know, Buffalo, they could, they've got a good run game. Um, but Nebraska easily covered the spread with a 28-3 to win over the Bulls. Uh, yeah, for me, it was uh, another good performance from Adrian Martinez. He had uh, over 350 yards rushing and passing combined. Um, Samori Toure, uh, the Martinez-Toure sort of uh, combination seems to be doing quite nicely together as he has another uh, back-to-back 130-plus yard week. Uh, and the, Bill- the Buffalo's run game just didn't really seem to be that effective they had um they had something like 135 yards but uh i mean adrian martinez had 112 on his own so yeah it was it was uh there was never really a moment where they looked too much in peril um good solid win for nebraska they bounced back from that illinois defeat with two wins uh in against their fcs opponents and it's the big one on um it's the big one on this weekend 
one of the greatest, oldest rivalries in college football uh, off to Oklahoma. What a game that'll be. I don't expect to win at all, but a big game it'll be nonetheless for the historians of college football. Uh, gents, we will move on now to talk about our winners and losers of the week. So it's a new segment that we started last week, the sort of displace your sort of player of the week award, because we think there's so much more to college football than just simply a single player. So um, who wants to go? For, I'm going to go. I'm going to hand it to Suk. I'd like to know who your first winner of the week is. Okay, uh, so for me, I'm going to go for uh, Chris Rodriguez, uh, running back of Kentucky, back-to-back monster games uh, for him. Uh, Really impressed with him, done a lot of uh, reading up on him as well. Just seems like someone who's going to be, you know, be talked about a lot. Uh, Kentucky as well now, back-to-back wins um, for them. Very hot fought win over Missouri. And no, not Missouri aren't the sort of strongest of units, but for a, a program like Kentucky, I think it's a game that, you know, certainly will breed confidence. Um and yeah, Chris Rodriguez as well, particularly a big part of that. Two hundred and six um rushing yards, three touchdowns. Um and a receiving touchdown as well. And a receiving touchdown as well, exactly. So, you know, for me he's uh yeah, very very impressive. Um, someone to to certainly look out for. Uh, can I just piggyback here a little bit because I mm-hmm. won't keep this as my um, my winner, but my winner happens to also involve a Kentucky player. My winner is obviously was going to be Wondell Robinson's homecoming. How Wondell Robinson has been playing for the Wildcats since returning home to Kentucky, back to back 100 yard games, and just on pace for what could be his best season in college football. Happy for Wondell Robinson. You might be. I'm not bloody not. I'm joking. I'm joking. Uh, yeah, it's uh, he's 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 gone home, homesick kid, um, back to back to his backyard, and he has had two very impressive games. But we know that because Robinson's a very 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 talented young guy. But uh, yeah, I'm glad he's lighting up the SEC and doing well. But I was going to ask you for your loser, Tristan. Um, next as we sort of rotate but it was a natural point to piggyback off so do you want to give me a loser oh losers few losers of the week um for me and it's been really difficult to pick between um but i would have to say consensus top five teams in the rankings i don't think any of them over the course of this college football season are living up to the full hype, apart from maybe Alabama. Oklahoma have looked shaky. Clemson have dropped out. Ohio State have dropped out. There's teams like Texas A&M who are not there. So that top end of the rankings being as clear as we have once thought is who my loser of the week is, because they're not quite where people expected. Like it. Like it. Well, I'm going to go back to the winner's section, and I'm going to pick another sort of more obscure player. I'm going to give my first winner of the week to Will Cholo Jr., um, the defensive tackle uh, for the Troy Trojans. Uh, a guy I, I admittedly had been talking to a little bit on Instagram. Uh, really nice guy. Would love to get him on the pod at some point. But uh, that it's not out of bias. He genuinely had uh, a career game. He had four tackles for a loss and two and a half sacks on a potential first-round quarterback next year, Malik Willis. 
uh, of Liberty Flames. The Troy Trojans pushed Liberty really close. One score game, 21-13. Uh, overall, the defence for Troy was pretty impressive, but it was really ear-stamped by Cholo, who was uh, just a defensive monster in that game, uh, causing the Liberty O-line all kinds of problems. So, uh, yeah, Cholo started the season with a sack in his first game. So, three and a half sacks in his first two games. He wants to be drafted this year. And, uh, yeah, he started the season uh, very well. And, um, yeah, can't really do much more for the the big uh, the six-foot D-tackle. Um, I'm going to ask Sukdeep for a loser. Hmm, it's an interesting one. Um So many you could pick, like, you know, just, uh, I'm going to go for a Pac-12 team. It, it's going to have to be... Hmm. Can I come back to you on that? Yeah, I don't... I, I've, I've got two winners and two losers prepared. It probably doesn't... I'm probably going to either way, just say them both. So I may as well jump back in with a loser. And my first my first loser is uh, the Ohio State defence. Um yeah, they've just in back-to-back games this season. Um, they've, they've their defense has really let them down. You know, they've conceded uh, sixty-six points in their first two games of the season. Um, uh, it's you know they've lost. I know, I know for a fact. Of course, they lost um, a lot of players to the draft, but they they really don't seem to be the same unit as they were last season. Just to clarify, they lost they sixty-six games. I said. Um, that it sixty six points. It took them three games, I think, last time to lose over sixty six points. Um, but it's taken them just two this year. Really disappointing for them. Uh, they're going to have to shore things up, or they're you know better teams, or teams as good as, or you know, sorry, not better teams in Oregon. Teams maybe as good as or as competitive as in the Big Ten will cause them just as many problems. And that offence can only keep riding so long. So that defence needs to work itself out or they will not be going to the con- uh, the college playoffs this season. Mm. I'm ready with Do you have a loser now. in mind? Go on. Yeah, I'm going to say USC, just because, as Tristan alluded to, Stanford are not the best side and to, you know, let 42 points against such a poor... Team, I think it's unforgivable. Slovis as well, not having the greatest of games. The whole team all round, just a really, really poor showing when you're expected a lot more. Uh, I think people had them on par with sort of the Ducks. Um, but there's a lot of Pac-12 teams who we expect to maybe to do better have been a letdown and then teams who we didn't expect to do so well have, or unless you're Tristan, of course, with UCLA, you know, have done well. But... Um, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go for USC on this one. I just think uh, there's there's problems there, especially after that defeat. They weren't really that good against San Jose State either. So no, you know. Uh, Tristan, do you want to give me your loser? I've already given you a loser. If I can give you a oh, winner, a winner. Nick. You can give me a winner. I can give you a winner. Matt Corral's chances of being the first quarterback taken in next year's draft. Mm. I think out of the eligible quarterbacks, he's had the best start to the season. He's currently on 662 yards passing for six touchdowns, not a single pick, and a QBR is 73.6 over his first two games. Um, Spencer Rattler obviously showed his struggles against Tulane, bounced back this week. Still, there were struggles. 
um, which you don't ever like to see. And um, Sam Howell obviously had that howler against Virginia Tech. I'm here all night. Um, <laughs> and again, he had a comeback resurgence this week. But if Matt Corral can be consistent and do it in the SEC, I've, again, I've said to you, I'm quite high on this old Miss team. think they can make noise in the SEC. I think he's helping his draft stock massively of possibly being the first quarterback taken in next year's NFL draft. Couldn't agree more. Very good. I, I'm not sure if, I mean, Corral's, Corral was a long shot to be the first overall pick in next year's draft, but any chances he have us ebbing away with performances like that, couldn't agree more. Um, yeah, so, I mean, have you got, has anyone got any winners and losers left? Because I've still got a winner and a loser loaded up. Um, and and I'm actually going to throw in an extra winner. It's one that uh, thought was apparently was sort of expected of me last week, but I will I will try and shoehorn it in this week because I probably won't get any opportunities. Uh, I'll give you my first shoehorned in winner, and it's Nebraska linebacker Luke Reimer. Um, again, why am I just being a bit unfair? Well, this guy was a walk-on, and he's gone from being a walk-on to he had 16 tackles uh, against Buffalo, an interception, and was uh, named Big Ten Defensive Player of the Week. So uh, I love stories of guys who were completely not, literally not uh, looked upon. He went to the University of Nebraska as a normal student. He walked on and, uh, yeah, had a had a career game awarded the, uh, for a conference that is renowned for its defence, to win Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, and there's really, he's just a sophomore as well. There's really big hope for this guy as a future NFL player. So I'm um, really glad for him. Before I move on to other losers and winners, do you just sorry I didn't, you didn't do either of you guys have anyone anything lined up? Um, I'll give you I can give you a winner. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, home teams on a Friday night. Um, mm. I believe this Friday it was all home teams that won in those CFB games. I know oh. it's a silly one, but home teams doing it on a Friday night. Nice. Uh, my last my loser is Mike Novell. Um, just after last week's pageantry. Uh, uh, and a hugely impressive performance, despite losing, uh, which Bobby Barden would have been proud of. Uh, they went out with a whimper, losing to a, a team in Jacksonville State. Um, Mike Novell has put a lot of time and effort, and there's been a lot of talk about on this in, in this in this um, in this team, in this and what he's putting together in the coaching and the players, and what he's managed to attract in grad transfers. But it is not working so far, and they need to turn things around quick. I want to finish off with a more uh, uh, jovial one. I love these little tidbits like we can do. Uh, the winner, the Orgeron family. Uh, and why the Orgeron family? Well, um, first of all, the head coach at Orgeron of the LSU Tigers. Um, he celebrated winning his first game of the season, the 34-7 win of a McNeese State. Um, but why the Orgeron family? Well, uh, I presume you guys may know or may not know, the quarterback for McNeese State at uh, at LSU in uh, Baton Rouge was Cody Orgeron. Ed Orgeron was Cody State. So uh, an opportunity to watch his team win their first game of the season and also coach against his son. Must have been a very, very proud moment for the Orgeron family. Uh, yeah, I will give you one final loser before we move on, maybe. Um, the Mac is my loser, the Mid-American Conference. Even though Toledo played very well, um, Ball State, Eastern Michigan, um, Buffalo, pretty much 
the Mac went 0-8 against FPS, uh, fellow FPS opponents this week. Uh, the Mac as a conference just didn't win against another FPS opponent, getting smoked pretty much by everyone they played. So teams from the Mac are my losers for the week. Uh, looking at the ESPN rankings, now we're not really going to pay too much attention to these yet um, for college football because that, well, it's not the ESPN rankings. I'm just looking at the college football rankings on ESPN. We will just pay attention, though, to the sort of top 10. I think that's probably worth doing at the moment. Uh, the AP rankings, so 10th are Penn State. Um, Tristan is really, and Tristan and Suck are really high on them um, and the way they've started their season. They've got two wins. They are 2-0. and They beat Wisconsin and obviously week one. And then a nice big blowout win of a ball state. So uh, their gimme game of the week. And Ohio State, of course, after that loss against Oregon, are at nine. The Cincinnati Bearcats are 2-0. and They beat Miami of Ohio in the week one and had another nice and simple week two uh, comfortable win against Murray State. To go to and oh. uh, eight uh, seven, sorry, the Texas AM. They got that late win over Colorado, they're two and oh, uh, they're seventh. Clemson, of course, had that big win against uh, South Carolina State, um, and they are now one and one. And hold on, the sixth Iowa, the highest ranked Big Ten team, obviously, uh, two and oh, now after that big win over there. Their state rivals in the top four sucks. Oregon Ducks sit at fourth, obviously after that huge win of Ohio State. Oklahoma are third. Uh, they got a squeeze, a squeezy wheezy win over Tulane, mm-hmm. and uh, and their score against is it West, uh, Western something or other Christian, not West Christian. I don't know who this <laughs> played. WCU. <laughs> Um, I don't know off the top of my head. Should we be tough? WCU University uh, as my internet cuts out completely. So a good win for 76-0 for Oklahoma against... Uh, it's going to annoy me, cause, but I don't know who they beat. WCU. Um, WCU University. Uh, Western Carolina. Western. Of course it is. Um, Georgia Bulldogs are second. They're 2-0. They won their gimme game against UAB, blowing them out. And Alabama, we didn't talk about the conference champions, but to be fair, they played 48-14 over Mercer. Not really a game worth talking about. I imagine we'll be giving Alabama their first sort of biggest segment on the show next week after they play uh, a big inter-conference game. Okay, so time to look forward. So looking back at last week's results as we... uh, look towards the scores for coming up this week. Now, uh, there is um, ESPN rankings, so you know, yes, Brian, the AP rankings are out, and we spoke about, uh, we're not going to sort of pay too much interest in that, but we have spoke about the top four are out. Uh, Oregon at four, uh, Oklahoma at three, uh, Georgia at two, and uh, Alabama at one. So uh, two SEC, one Big 12, and one Pac-12. Uh, is the Big Ten and the ACC currently losing out from those spots? But there's so much college football to play. And as Tristan uh, said rightly, the uh, Ohio State loss opens up uh, a massive, massive opportunity for a number of teams around the country. But we're going to look at the scores now. Uh, sorry, the fixtures coming up for week three uh, at teams based in the top 25. And we start 
um, with the game that I mentioned uh, in Norman, Oklahoma, as the Oklahoma Sooners take on um, the Nebraska Cornhuskers in a rivalry as old as the sun. Not literally, but these two teams used to battle it out for um, for the college championship many years ago. And now the rivalry is being renewed in this game. Oklahoma starts as a 22-point favourite. So, uh, a lot expected uh, from the Sooners and Spencer Rattler. Uh, Texas A&M, they host New Mexico as 28-point favourites at College Station. Uh, is an interesting one. Cincinnati go to Indiana in Bloomington. Mm. Cincinnati is three-and-a-half-point favourites. So, a slight win expected for Cincinnati. Depends what Indiana team we see, isn't it, really? Because they were, they were very dire in week one. Uh, and bounced back with a win, but they didn't even look too confident, did they? They no, had a... Penix didn't have the biggest game, did he? Either still. Um... No, there's a big win over Idaho, but Penix, uh, did he? He didn't. He uh, he got eleven for sixteen and sixty-eight yards, two touchdowns, but just, just, just an alright game, really. Like, not, 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 nothing too special. Mm. So yeah, we'll be seeing what we see from him. But uh, Virginia Tech, who have been. They're a team that could be could have been mentioned as winners. You know, they've had two big wins against UNC in Middle Tennessee. They're two and zero, the Hokies, um, and they go to three point favorites. I think this game's a, I think this game's a coin flip. You know, yeah, I think it could be close. Um, it'd be interesting to see if Virginia if Virginia Tech can again. It's it helps. The ACC to have more ranked teams, but again, but you said they play Clemson, so it doesn't really do too much for us. So, yeah, coin flip, mm. don't really mind which way this goes. Virginia Tech are actually ranked 15 at the moment, so they uh, are. That should, should, yeah, I, I hope the Hokies can come and win that one. Uh, Coastal Carolina go to Buffalo, Buffalo fresh off that loss to Nebraska. Uh, game, is, game is on ESPN 2, and it's a 13 point favorite for Coastal Carolina. 13. Do you think they'll cover the spread or not? Yeah. They've yeah. looked good yeah, so easily. far. Yeah. I trust their offense. Uh, meanwhile, Miami, the Hurricanes, are now ranked and they host Michigan State, uh, who are 2-0 and themselves this season at the Hard Rock. Miami, 6.5 6. favorites. So, to cover the spread, they need to win by a touchdown. Do they beat Michigan State by a touchdown? <sighs> I haven't decided yet, but yeah, I, I think, I I could... think it's yeah, you can tell me either way on that one. Mm. Well, Michigan State, they beat is it Young Youngstown or something, 42-14, but they uh hell of a day for the quarterback Peyton Thorne. I think he had five touchdowns and uh, completed something like a ridiculous amount of passes. 30 for 46, 465 yards. Yes, it is Youngstown, but still a nice day for him. Uh, Kenneth Walker III is having a season to remember. Mm. He's given Michigan State something to cheer about. They can just he's put he can put the team on the back if he needs to and go and go for it. And if he continues to do what he's doing and carry Michigan State to a positive record, considering most people ripped them off at the start of the season, that could be an outside Heisman candidate. Mm. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. And a bit of an error from myself. That's Peyton Thorne's stats over two games. But still, not bad. Not bad. Uh, Michigan are ranked 25th. They host Northern Illinois. 27-point favourites. Northern Illinois have uh, Rocky Lombardi at quarterback. The former Michigan State man. Didn't he... Did he quarterback Michigan State to that upset over Michigan last season? 
I think he did. He did, yeah. Yeah, so could he do it again with Northern Illinois? Don't think uh, so. No, no. Yeah, I can't. I don't think I get anyone bite on that one. No chance. Uh, Purdue, uh, the Boilermakers head to Notre Dame. Obviously, Notre Dame, two, uh, two tough games they've had to play so far, but they are a touchdown favourite against Purdue. I think that's a bit. I, I personally have not actually done a little bit more than that. I think they'll cover that spread. I don't really rate Purdue particularly highly. Two games in a row where they've won by three points. That's all I'm saying. I think they, well, I think to me, Florida State game was like, was based on a lot of emotion. And then Toledo, Toledo, Toledo was a good rivalry game. And to be fair, Purdue's in Indiana as well, isn't it? So I guess it's, Another technical rivalry game, so maybe, maybe, maybe so. Maybe I think so. I, I just think don't like Purdue. I know you don't, but I think seven's a fair line. Yeah, I, I, you're probably right. To be fair, here's the one that we probably will be putting top. Snoresville game, Alabama at Florida, the first real test for uh, the Crimson Tide. They are fifteen point five uh, favorites. Do you think we'll cover that? Yes, I do as well. Bryce Young looking. Uh, Fantastic! He leads the leads the lead for leads the lead leads the way for the Heisman voting uh, probably so far. Uh, Iowa, you know they've had those two big wins uh, against uh, conference rivals and then uh, state rivals, and now they host Kent State. They are twenty-two and a half point favorites. Uh, I mean that seems low, right? They've got to cover that spread. Kent State, their, their offense is pretty terrible. But also are Kent State as a football team, so I think I think twenty two and a half. I think they'll cover that. I'm I just seeing their um, I take quarterback. That. I take that. Who are that. Kent State? Who's missing their quarterback? So deep, you just said something. Oh yeah, I was going to say, is it Drum or someone? I remember hearing about Dustin him. Crum. Is he Crum, out? Crum or Drum? Yeah, I got them mixed up, didn't I? The Big, Big, Victor Crum's yeah. brother from Harry Potter. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. Uh, Clemson host. Uh, Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets and Tristan knows once again how much I dislike the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets um, even so much more after they lost to Rocky Lombardi in Northern mm-hmm. Illinois in the opening game uh, Clemson are the hosts and they have a 28.5 point line um, they'll be hoping to try and cover that excuse me uh, if last year's game against Georgia Tech is anything to go by um, yeah we'll cover that fine yeah, um, Ohio State host Tulsa looking to bounce back at home uh, in Columbus, a twenty-six and a half point favorite. Um, Tulsa have actually, on that. I, I think Tulsa have been disappointing so far. They've lost two close games to Oklahoma State, and they obviously lost that opening game against UC Davis. I think uh, I, I I would definitely take the over just because I think Ohio State are going to come back and, and need to come back with a vengeance in this game. Uh, if they don't cover this, I think they'll be looking at a real, real tumble this season. Um, but Arkansas, host, uh, they're 20 now, and they host Georgia Southern, 23.5-point favourites. Um, uh, it's a Razorback Stadium. I fair, I think that's a fair enough line. I think they'll yeah. struggle. I think it'll be close, but they could do. Here's a one that Tristan may enjoy. The Georgia Bulldogs, obviously, you picked up one win against the South Carolina team. Chance for them to pick up another as they host uh, South Carolina, who are two and zero. They squeaked the win, though, didn't they? South Carolina. We haven't mentioned it, but they just beat East Carolina, didn't they? Um, 
the spread here is thirty-one points for Georgia. Yeah, I, I'm I'm going to go out of my way to watch that a little bit because I, I'm looking I'm looking forward to destruction. Their pain, I love it. Um, Oregon uh, back in Eugene celebrating that win of Ohio State on the road. They host Stony Brook. No line for that one, but uh, I imagine it'll be a, a fair a fair bit. Uh, um, some Big Ten meets SEC action. Penn State hosting Auburn. I know Tristan definitely won't agree with this line. A six a six point favourites of Penn State. Just the no, that that's that. Well, Auburn have looked good so far. Bo Nix has been okay. throwing the ball all over the place. I've Auburn have had two good results going forward. Yeah, uh, six maybe a little low. I'd have probably gone somewhere towards nine. You know, a touchdown on a field goal difference. I think ten points would have been fair. But I you know, I can understand Auburn are another ranked team. Keep it close. This is Auburn's first real game of the season, is that they've started it is. two real gimme games. So uh, they'll see how they find themselves against some real uh, opposition. ACC game, North Carolina, UNC. Obviously, you have that huge loss to Virginia Tech week one. Sam Howell and the team bounced back with a win in their gimme game. Do you see who they, they won? It was a, uh, Georgia Southern, that's it. Um, and now they host Virginia. And Virginia have looked kind of nice this season, haven't they? They've, yeah, Virginia blew apart Illinois. Did what Nebraska could. They did, yeah. They they did indeed, which makes that loss look worse and worse as the weeks go by. Um, yeah, Brennan Armstrong's been good for um, Virginia this season. Yeah, it's going well. Yeah, nine point favourites, North Carolina. Do you think that's fair or should be more? Uh, no, I think nine's a fair reflection. Ole Miss host Tulane uh, in Oxford, Mississippi. Um, yeah. yeah, I'd say Tulane put up a fight against Oklahoma. Can they put up a fight against Old Miss? Arizona State go to BYU. Have already conquered two Pac-12 teams of the season. Can they make Arizona State a third? Well, not if you listen to the line. Arizona State are three and a half point favorites. Uh, that, that, that's 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 that, and I think that game could go either way. I always find three and a half point lines. That's that's them just saying this is what we they can't call it, and they're just going to go. Yeah, this is slightly better paper roster, and we'll give them that edge. Mm-hmm. And I never like games that are three and a half lines because that means they are the definition of coin flips. Uh, Allegiant Stadium, home of the Las Vegas Raiders, will host uh, UNLV, uh, who've had a horrible start to the season uh, as they take on a scorned Iowa State team in Brock Purdy, looking to try and make up for his blunders of the week past. Iowa State, 30-point favourites. 30. I know UNLV are not very... That is, that is, that's a lot. And Iowa State don't seem to put up that many points. Uh, yeah, but if you look at, you know, when they lost it, Eastern was it Eastern Washington University week one, um, UNLV. UNLV, yeah, and then they lost to Arizona State. They they lost to an FCS team, yeah, Eastern Washington Eagles. They lost to in a in a thriller, uh, and then they just got dismantled a little bit by Arizona State. Yeah, there's not much to be, you know, there's not a lot to look at with the with the Rebels at the moment, and go. Yeah, that's what that's what you'd want to be happening. Um, Tate Martell mm. has just, 
not been available for them. That was who yeah. they were sort of thinking, if we can get Tate Martel in the building and get him playing, then there's a chance. But he hasn't started for UNLV. Someone randomly on um, Messenger was asking about Tate Martel the other day, someone who listens to the podcast. Um, so that was an interesting conversation we had. And yeah, they were quite taken back about the and like where he is currently at the minute when I explain that. But that's that it. he's just not enjoyed his footballing career anywhere that he's gone. Yeah. Because no one will appoint him the starter. Doesn't sound like it at all. And to finish, uh, a team, two teams actually, we've both kind of enjoyed watching so far this season. UCLA host uh, Fresno State. Uh, UCLA, obviously, just absolutely uh, killing it so far. Big one over LSU uh, back after a week off. And Fresno State have been a lot of fun to watch. And they've, they've, they've won two games nicely and obviously pushed the Pac 12 champions, Oregon State, to the brink. Uh, UCLA, 11, 11 point favourites. I think they're being nice to Fresno State, who have have really kind of done well so far this season. It's going to be a good year for them in the Sun Belt. I believe that's what they're playing. But uh, but UCLA Mountain oh, West, I, Nick Mountain uh, West, Mountain West. It's, oh, I get mixed. I get them mixed up sometimes. They're in the area, aren't they? Sun Belt in Mountain West. No, I think no. Where's the Sun Belt? Sun Belt, small towards the east. Mountain West oh. is the west. Oh my bad. Um, yeah, no, it's yeah, that's that's fair enough. Was Nick looking for a way to sneak out of that one and then realize yeah. that he backed himself miserably into a corner? Yeah, some of them are in the middle, but you know, could be worse, could be me not talking at all. I'm just exhausted now, I'm just listening to you guys. <laughs> um, but either way, 11 point favorites are UCLA. Right. Okay. Well, that's everything, ladies and gents. Thanks very much for joining us. Uh, much appreciated if you've struggled all the way through listening to our hot takes and in some cases terrible takes. Um, good luck for your teams this weekend. I'm sure it'll be a good weekend for you all. But if it's not, you know where to join us next week uh, to sort of bring you up to speed with everything that has happened. But until then, scores on the doors will be later this week. And yeah, take it easy. Have a good one. See you later. Bye. Take care, guys. Take care, everybody.